Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got a great show for you guys today. We're going to start it out with some interesting things in the news lately. First and foremost, an article that I kind of looked at in the past, but saw another update on this recently. Boss who dumped 500 pounds of oily pennies on driveway is ordered to pay additional back wages. And CNN.com Wire Service wrote this one. The Georgia auto shop owner who in 2022 paid one of his employees his final wage by dumping 91,500 oil-covered pennies in his driveway has been ordered by a federal judge to pay nearly $40,000 in additional back wages and damages to his employees, according to court records. Miles Walker, owner of AOK Walker Auto Works in Peachtree, Georgia, was ordered to pay back wages in the amount of $19,967.09 plus liquidated damages in the amount of $19,967.09 according to the consent judgment. Last year, the U.S. Department of Labor filed a lawsuit against Walker for violating federal labor law after he retaliated against a former employee who contacted the agency when he didn't receive his final paycheck. He finally paid the ex-employee named Andre Andreas flattened with roughly 90,000 pennies and a note expressing a short expletive. Flatten quit his job at AOK after an argument with his boss and contacted the Labor Department in January of 2021 to say he was owed $915. The next day, Walker received a call from the department and said he would not pay Flatten. Hours later, he decided to pay him in pennies. I mean, where did this guy get all those pennies? How can you make this guy realize what a disgusting example of a human being he is, the lawsuit claimed Walker said. I've got plenty of pennies and I'll use them. U.S. District Judge Timothy Batten additionally instructed Walker not to threaten or intimidate verbally or in writing or retaliate or discriminate against any current or former employees of AOK Walker. The judge's ruling resolves a civil action filed by the U.S. Department of Labor Department in this case. Very interesting stuff indeed. This guy, wow, what a piece of work. Next article, this one is a doozy. Chinese authorities conclude strange object found in students' meal was a rat's head. And Brian Key wrote this article. The scandal began on June 1st when a student from a polytechnic college in Nanchang posted a video on Chinese social media complaining about an object he found in his school meal that seemed to resemble the severed head of a rat. The student got into an exchange with a female canteen staff member who insisted that what he found in his meal was not a rat's head, but a duck's neck, despite pointing out the teeth. The college student launched an investigation into the matter on June 3rd, confirming in a statement that the video was filmed in the school, but that the object was not a rodent's head. It even went on to state that the student allegedly invited his other classmates to check the object, and they all purportedly confirmed it was a duck snack. Director of the Market Supervision Bureau's branch reiterated the findings while speaking to a local radio and television station the same day. Social media users did not believe the explanation given, with others reportedly making memes about the situation and accusing officials of a cover-up. In ancient times, we have calling a deer a horse. Now we have calling a rat a duck, said users in their post. After mounting criticism, the local government launched an investigation on June 10th. 
Although surveillance video showed the canteen staff throwing away the object on the same day the student complained, experts who examined the video and photos of the object determined that it was indeed a rat's head. Local authorities subsequently revoked the canteen's food business license and gave the company operating it the maximum penalty under China's food safety laws. The local government also stated that the college will face punishment as well for its lack of diligent investigation. Whew, can you imagine? That just sounds absolutely repulsive. And one final article. Neighbors thought they were paying their taxes. Deputies say the Spalding clerk was stealing them. This was written by the WSB-TV news staff. A former clerk at the Spalding County Tax Commissioner's Office is facing theft charges after deputies say she was stealing the money people thought they were using to pay their taxes. Spalding County Sheriff Daryl Dix says they began investigating Alteria Williams, 27, after Tax Commissioner Sylvia Holmes began noticing the inconsistencies over the last few months. They say a man reported paying his taxes in cash at the tax commissioner's office in mid-May, but received the notice that he had not paid. When he returned a few weeks later to pay more taxes, he did not get a receipt either. The next day, he went back to the office and asked for the receipts for both transactions. The clerk, Williams, told him she hadn't given him a receipt before because the printer was broken. That day, she gave him a fake receipt for the transactions. Williams turned herself into the jail on Thursday. She is currently facing theft charges by taking and two counts of computer forgery. Sheriff Dix says they're continuing to investigate Williams and she could face more charges. Jail records show that Williams has since bonded out of the Spalding County Jail. Just a note, people probably shouldn't pay for anything in cash nowadays. There's just too many opportunities for people to slip that into their pocket and then you will never see it again. So anyway, on to the main case for the day. Today, we're going to talk about Sarah Boone. It's February 25th, 2020. It's about one in the afternoon in Winter Park, Florida. This is a city in Orange County, Florida, originally founded as a resort community in the late 19th and early 20th century. This is where 42-year-old Sarah Boone and 42-year-old George Torres Jr. lived together in an apartment. On that particular day, back in 2020, Sarah Boone called 911 and calmly provided details of her address as well as the fact that her boyfriend was dead. Yes, dead. Boone matter-of-factly told the 911 dispatcher that the previous evening on February 24th in 2020, she and her boyfriend had some wine and decided to play some games. One of them was hide-and-go-seek. Think about the last time anyone you know in their 40s or later played hide-and-go-seek. Not so much. It's not a thing when you're older, I guess. But in any case, this fun-loving lady claims the two adults thought it would be funny after spending a night of games, arts, and crafts and drinking to put George in a suitcase. Okay, number one, who can even fit into a suitcase? I am 5'9", and there is absolutely no way I would even think that I could possibly fit into a suitcase, no matter how big that thing was, and then be able to zip it up, too. Number two, have you ever seen a grown man crawl into a suitcase? I mean, granted, news reports claim that Sarah Boone was 5'3 and 130 pounds, and George was about 5'4 and 140 pounds, so neither one of them was large in stature, so technically I guess they could possibly fit into the suitcase. But number three, this seemingly calm girlfriend claims that she went upstairs and accidentally fell asleep 
and that now she has no idea what could have happened to her boyfriend for him to end up dead. During the 911 call, which was recorded and can also be found online, Sarah Boone says she woke up February 25th, found her boyfriend in the suitcase, and performed CPR. Evidently, though, he was cold and not breathing, and his skin was discolored. This whole time, the 911 dispatcher is directing her to perform CPR and continue until the police arrive. Even so, it doesn't sound like she's actually doing anything on the call but counting. Now belligerent, the caller continues to argue with the dispatcher, alternating between demands and telling him to hurry up. Shortly after the police arrive and they find this petite woman who looks like any other exhausted soccer mom, she has mousy brown hair and ruddy skin, and at no point in any of the interactions with police does she appear to be upset, distraught, or even the tiniest bit remorseful that her boyfriend is now dead. As police questioned this confused woman, she keeps saying she was thirsty, which seems really odd too. Presumably it's from the alcohol she had consumed the previous night, but she had called her ex-husband though the same day before she called the police, which seemed odd to everyone. In addition to the 911 calls that were recorded, there's also police body cam footage from the day showing Sarah being questioned, and it's shocking to say the least. She has these wide eyes and these strange expressions, and at one point, she begins drinking from a garden hose because she claims to be too thirsty to wait. Police also interviewed Sarah's ex-husband, who indicated that Sarah often got drunk and sometimes forgot to pick up her own child. Sarah and George also had a very long history of documented visits from the police. Various police reports have been filed in recent months showing this progression where George gets more and more gaunt-looking. Even so, Sarah claimed that prior to the incident on February 24th, you know, the puzzles, the arts and crafts, and the hide-and-seek games, that George had been losing his teeth and claimed that he had been having stomach issues, although he did not go to the hospital for any of this. Both Sarah and George were unemployed at this time, which meant that the two of them did a lot of nothing. I mean, maybe they were just sitting around playing games and doing puzzles all day, but... While Sarah recounted the day of the incident and the time after, her recollections were confusing, disjointed, and nonsensical. Evidently, she slept in for over 12 hours on that day and didn't even realize that her boyfriend was dying in a suitcase downstairs. Her story of playing hide-and-go-seek made absolutely zero sense, and she describes them both hiding with no one doing the seeking until she got tired of waiting in the shower and went to find him where he was located in a suitcase. She says that it was broken, but she was sure he would eventually get it open on his own, so she left him to his own devices and went upstairs and fell asleep with their dogs. So even after all of this, Sarah claims that her relationship with her boyfriend was just hunky-dory. The two had lived in the same apartment complex for approximately two years by the time of George's death in 2020. However, the property manager reported seeing bruises and having conversations about removing George from the lease on the apartment. On other occasions, the property manager saw scratches, cuts, and bruises on Sarah. But about a year before his death, George had been arrested for battery and domestic violence several times, 
And other people also confirmed this. Sarah claimed that George punched her, hit her, threw her, scratched her, and abused her. The problem was George also had a lot of marks on him. And both she and George were said to have been very heavy drinkers, making lots of noise, throwing things, arguing, and continuously fighting at all hours of the day. Sometimes Sarah would wander around the apartment complex drunk and barefoot, sleeping on a neighbor's porch on one occasion. Those that interacted with her noted she often appeared like she didn't want to go home, and others reported that she was often drunk and physical with George. Stories of their injuries and fights and domestic violence incidences in 2018 and 2019 were reported by Sarah to mostly be George's fault. But after following George's accounts more closely, we can see that the police reports seem to support his accounts more than hers. George also reportedly had a conversation on February 23rd with his brother, further contradicting Sarah's recollections that their relationship was problem-free. His brother recalled that things were not great with both parties, and often they both had injuries. The relationship was clearly toxic between these two, and it was punctuated by fights and George leaving and often coming back again. But by February 25th, 2020, things had come to a head, and an autopsy was performed on George shortly after he was found. This poor man had scratch marks all over his back, a contusion and bruising to his left shoulder, a cut on his lip, a large neck scratch, and various other bruises, and everything appeared to be recent, appearing to have been caused within the last 24 hours. But Sarah had excuses for everything, and she explained it all away, saying George had been in a biking accident and that he was known to be clumsy. She had an excuse lined up for literally everything, while at the same time claiming she had no idea how he got any of his injuries. To the contrary, neighbors recalled loud crashing sounds like something falling down the stairs on the night of this incident. Sarah maintains her claim that everything was good despite both of them being unemployed and the reported fighting from neighbors on a constant basis. Sarah then pivoted and claimed George was constantly coming at her, but she stayed because she wanted to, quote, help him or thought she could save him. She claimed that they had come a long way and that he had improved tremendously due to her assistance. She claimed that he had had problems drinking, but that she didn't. And of course, it was always George's fault and never Sarah's. But the maintenance guy contradicted this, saying that Sarah was starting most of the incidences of domestic violence. And contrary to her reports, the two drank to excess constantly. But that isn't all. Sarah claimed the evidence of numerous incidences of domestic violence and fights were on her phone. She continuously contradicted herself, and her phone told the whole story. It had video recordings from the night that George died. So I'm going to play a recording here, and I just want to warn you, it is pretty disturbing. So if you feel like this might be a trigger for you, please turn the recording off at this time. But I'm going to play this now. For everything you've done to me. So. For everything you've done to me. So. Fuck you. So. Fuck you. Shallow. <laughs> Stupid. Shallow. It's my name. Don't wear it off. Yeah. I can't fucking breathe, babe. Seriously. Yeah, that's when you do when you choke me. Shallow. 
Sarah. Sarah, I can't believe. That's on you. Sarah, I can't believe. <laughs> it's on you. Sarah. Really handsome. Now you want to give me a for it. When the police asked her if she remembered recording anything leading up to the suitcase incident, she claimed she did not remember anything. Then they played back where George is pleading for his life and pleading for Sarah to let him out of the suitcase while she mocked him. Police asked her to explain why he is begging to be let out and she is maliciously ignoring him. Nothing in the video looks good for Sarah Boone. She sounds intoxicated and just plain evil. She claimed she didn't remember the video even though she wasn't drunk and she also claimed he could get out and just didn't, which obviously untrue because he passed away in that suitcase. The police immediately arrested Sarah, and after her interview, she was charged with second-degree murder in the death of George Torres Jr. through suffocation in the suitcase on February 24, 2020. At the same time, she acted shocked and surprised that she was arrested and kept saying she didn't do anything with intent, so she should somehow be excused for all of her crazy behavior. We all know that's not how it works, though. She was immediately transferred to jail. She pleaded not guilty and has run through six separate lawyers, even though her trial hasn't even taken place yet. It's scheduled to begin July 24th, 2023, and she is reportedly going to use the battered spouse defense to explain away her actions. We'll see how that works out. Clearly, Sarah Boone is a really difficult woman to work with or even be around. She has reportedly sent handwritten letters to the judge on numerous occasions. She is belligerent and pissed that her case hasn't come to trial yet. <sighs> this woman is a piece of work. And if you have the opportunity, go online and look up the Sarah Boone recordings and listen to her because she is just a piece of work. As per usual, we will continue to keep you all posted as this case unfolds. I don't think there are going to be a lot of surprises here, but we shall see. Until next time, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can shoot us an email. We are at thebfdpodcast at gmail.com. We love getting emails from you guys. And please join us again next time when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe. Keep it real and always live your very best life. Bye.